But I would like to say this. If you are a parent, I think uh, uh, parents do an incredible job of encouraging their kids to participate in different extracurricular activities. And I mean, you'll go out of your way to raise funds for cheerleading, for sports camps and all kinds of tournaments and all kinds of things. And sometimes we look at the, at the, at the Christian events like something like, well, that's way too expensive, but you know, we spend $500 to send our kid to Houston or whatever the case may be. I want to really challenge you to do whatever you can to invest in your kid in this way. Uh, you heard Pastor Nala talk about the, 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 what it does for our students. And yeah, they don't come back. You know, you, you see them every day at your house and you're wondering what, God, what did God do? But there's something planted in their lives that will, 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 will begin to direct their lives in, 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 the ways, in the ways of God. And so I want to encourage you to, to send your kids. I'm glad to be here this morning with you today. Uh, you know, Paul said something that, um, you know, he said that my heart's desire and prayer is that you would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Paul said in Romans 10 that my desire is that and prayers that you would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to challenge you with this simple idea. I want to plead with you to give your life over to Jesus. This year has just started. And if you want to start right, if you want to, if you want to have a, a, a great beginning 2020, it starts with making Jesus the center of your life. If you have never, ever trusted Jesus as Savior, I plead with you today to give your life over to him. If you've been saved a couple of months or a couple of years or a couple of decades, I want to plead with you to fully surrender your life to Jesus. Today, I want to speak to you all about what, what our gospel motivation should be. Our lives are motivated by something. There is something in every single one of your, of your life that causes you to get out of your bed Every single day, so, there is something in your life that motivates you every single day to get out of bed. What is fueling or igniting your life's motor? What motivates you today? I want you to turn your Bibles, and if you have your Bible lab, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to look at the life of Paul. I'm not talking Pastor Paul. I was telling Brother David a few years ago, uh, somebody was preaching and kept mentioning the name Paul, and they thought they were talking about Pastor Paul. No, this is the Apostle Paul in the Bible. Let me, before we start on 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let me give you a little bit of who these folks were. In Corinthians chapter 5, who, who were the Corinthian church? Let me say that they may not have had cell phones, big trucks, or nice looking cars, or comfy build, or comfortable buildings, or padded chairs, 
or a central heir or, or, or 10 versions of the Bible to choose from. They didn't have Instagram or they didn't tweet or, and they didn't have Facebook. But they were pretty much like me and you. They were not spiritually mature. The, the, the Corinthian church wasn't maturing in their walk with God like they should have been. They were prone to cliques. They were guilty of not taking sin seriously. They were adulterous. They had trouble with irreverent worship. And they were guilty of judging others by, the outward, by how outwardly blessed they happened to be. They had many problems. They had problems in their marriage. They had problems with friendships. They had problems with relationships. But one of the big problems that the Corinthian church had was they had problems using their gifts and their talents for Jesus. Ah, that sounds a lot like our churches today, not just our church, but church in general. I'm sure they didn't, uh, and and I'm more than sure they didn't like their job. You know, tomorrow's Monday, and, and most of you are wondering, man, tomorrow's Monday. I got to get up for, for work. And, and, and Monday comes around, and you're, you're like dragging to get to work. And so these, these folks probably didn't like their job, and they could have enjoyed a Starbucks or an Academy at that time. You see, we have the same struggle like they do, don't we? I'm not saying that we're not basically good people who love to go to church, carry our Bibles to church, and try to love people, but there is a major difference between the lives of, of, most, of how most of us live and the lives we are called to live. It's a struggle to get our feet out of our love for this world and embrace the mission to which every follower of Jesus is called to. Now the Apostle Paul gives us some key ideas, key things, key concepts that should be the motivational factor in the life of every believer and his church. Listen with me, church. Paul is, is going to give us some, some very some important things that should be the motivational factor of why we live today in this world. What motivates your life? What gets you up this what got you up this morning? Listen, what should have gotten up for you this what should have gotten you up this morning is Jesus. The worship of Jesus, the gathering of the saints, the preaching of the word of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you go with me. Paul is aging, and he understands that death can come to him at every moment. If you remember, the early church was facing persecution. So he knew that the end of his life could be near. Paul lived his life knowing that in any minute, he could stand in the presence of God. Verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. For we know that this earthly tent, speaking about our physical body, earthly tent which is our house, is torn. In other words, this earthly tent, this house, it's decaying. Say with me, decaying. 
We don't look like we used to look when we were 18 years old. <laughs> Our bodies is decaying. It's torn, it's decaying. But we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Verse 2, for indeed this house we groan, or in other words, suffer. Because while we're in this world, guys, we, there, there's suffering, there's problems, there's circumstances, there's trials. Jesus said that in this world, we would have much, what, trouble, tribulations. So there's no, there's no a, a skip in the park or a walk on the beach. Life is difficult. And so Paul is, is, is referring to that, hey, we groan. We, but, but he's saying, but we long to be clothed with the dwelling from heaven. In chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, Paul had just said in verse 16, Therefore, do not lose heart. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. But though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. Verse 17, At for momentary light affliction is producing in us an eternal weight of glory far beyond comparison. While we look not at the things, at the things which are seen but on the things which are unseen for the things which are seen are are not seen are eternal Paul in these verses is saying hey let's put our eyes not on what is seen but the unseen second Colossians chapter 3 verse 2 Paul says set your minds on the things above not on the things on earth He's expressing this idea. And you look at Paul's writings, you look at through the, through the epistles, you see this, this idea of Paul constantly communicating to the church. Seek the things above, not the things that are on earth. He's expressing the idea that life is wasting away. Life, we're decaying. And we're faced with death, the possibility of death. I think about it all the time. I've said this before when I preach, man. You know, just a couple of years ago, weren't we all just in our 20s? And now we're turning salt and pepper. And uh, I'll be 52 in March. How did I go from 20? Got married at 23. My wife was 21. We're married 28 years we're married now 28 years, and all of a sudden, I'm, an, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting 52. How do we go from 30 to 52 so fast? And Paul is saying, man, life's short. Paul's desiring the reader to know that there is much more glorious, there is a much more glorious life that awaits the believer the life that is to dwell with Jesus forever and ever. In 2 Corinthians 4, 14, knowing that Jesus who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also in Jesus and will present us with you. Don't we feel like Paul? Don't we feel like him? He's, he's talking about, hey, this body's wasted away. We're dying. We're decaying. We're not going to be here very long. Life is almost over, and some of us are feeling that already. 
with all the pressures, uh, with all the, the problems and issues and things we face on a daily basis. Some of us wish that perhaps it would, it would be already here. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 5, 6, and 7, Paul is saying, I would prefer, let's check out Paul. I prefer to be away from the body. Say, man, I, I, I wish I was in here and I, I could be with the Lord. I look forward to the day. Paul is saying, I look forward to the day I see Jesus face to face. Paul had a much different perspective in life than the early followers did and we have today. And that's hard for many of us because we like, we like the idea of going to heaven. We like the idea that one day we will be with Jesus face to face, but not now, God. I, I still got my life to live. We like the idea of heaven and to be with Jesus, but most of us are unsure if we're ready. Most of us are not sure if we're ready to meet Jesus face to face. You need to ask yourself, are you ready? What must I do to be ready? And at the end, I'm going to give you some steps what you could do to be ready for that day if it were to come. Paul was ready. He says, man, I don't want to be in this body. I want to be with Jesus because I'm putting on some weight. I'm getting gray hair and, and I'm facing trouble. And I want to be with Jesus. I was taking a class and, uh, and the class asked me to interview somebody and ask him a question. The question was, why does, why does God not seem to heal everyone? I called Sandy Vega. I know her family is here today, and it might bring perhaps some memories, but I had to share this because it, it brings so much comfort. So this was in April of 2019 when I... I got a hold of Sandy, and I said, Sandy, I, I need to ask you this question. Why doesn't God heal everyone? I was making a paper on healing. These were her words. I think they were going to be up here. These are her words, word by word. That is a, and this is Sandy speaking. That, that is a question I've asked myself a few times. For instance, like when my aunt and cousin passed away after fighting cancer for years. Or when I hear about a child dying of cancer, but I am still alive today. To be honest, I don't know why, but what I do know from his word is that God has a plan for each and every one of us. Now, for those of you that don't know who Sandy, she was fighting cancer for about nine years. Sometimes we have to pay attention to see what God is trying to tell us. This is Sandy speaking. Sometimes we need to pay attention to what God is trying to tell us or teach us through our trials. I think she picked up on Dave that because I remember David, when we make visits to the sick, that's something that he often communicates to them, that God, through our sickness, he's trying to teach us something. Life ain't over. Sandy goes on to say, God promises that he will give us strength 
and will be right by our side as we go through our trials. He promises to heal us and give us long life. I know my complete healing will come. It's coming. Whether I get my healing here on earth or in heaven, when I die, only God knows. Check this powerful statement. The way I see it, either way I win. Sandy had a different perspective on life. But for now, I will thank and praise God for the small miracles and the big miracles he has given me on my journey thus far. I will continue to tell others in her sickness. I will continue to tell others about Jesus. About his love, grace, and mercies. I will continue to trust God with my life. Cling to his promises and continue to pray for complete healing. Sandy had the right gospel motivation in her life. Her motivation was Jesus to be with him in eternity. She didn't allow her sickness here on earth to change the course of her life. She was going to make it about Jesus. Sandy is saying, I know I got trials. I know I got physical issues, but I know one day, <laughs> I know one day. And that, that's what amazing about the word of God is that, that this life that you and I live is temporary. Guys, I know we're not happy with our, with our bodies. I know we're not happy with our hair. I know we're not happy with our nose. I know we're not happy with our hips. I know we're not happy with our thighs. I know we're not happy with several things about our bodies, but that is temporal. That is temporal. One day, one day we will be Jesus face to face, and you'll have that body that you've always desired. No exercising, no running, no physical uh, workout. We will be perfect. Because Jesus said we, we would be. I know one day I will be all right. I'm in God's hands. My healing will then come. What sustained Paul and Sandy in the midst of all kinds of trials and circumstances and death was the hope of being home one day. Of the hope of being one day with the Lord Jesus. What encouraged Paul? is to realize, as I said, this is temporary. We're here for a short while, guys, compared to the eternity, to the glorious eternity time that we're going to spend with our Lord and Savior. You know, this is just a small part of this journey. And we put everything, we put everything in this life, our money, our resources, our energy, Listen, I'm going to share this. Some of you have an issue with coming to church, especially men. Coming to church. And, and I've hurt you. I don't sing as loud because I don't sing that well. Listen, men, you better learn to start singing now. Because I don't know about you, but I've read Revelations. And Revelation says we're going to worship. For those of you that feel like, well, you know, I don't sing like A.B. and Becky and, and Yvette and all these people, but, but if, if our state, if, if our, num one of the number one things we're going to be doing in heaven is singing, start practicing now, man. I was a worship leader. Come to me. I'll give you some tips. I wasn't that good, but I led. Remember, Lisa? <laughs> That's heaven. 
This life is temporary. Are you ready? This year, we've had several friends go to be with the Lord. Twenty twenties here. The fact of the matter is, it could be you. It could be me. No, that's the truth. I mean, you know, we're not here all. This is not home. And are we ready? His focus was not on the present things he was facing, but on the future of being home. Paul, not on the seen, but the unseen. To live this way is to live by faith not by sight, to be obedient to God's command despite of the hardship. Though Paul longed to be with Jesus, he knew he was on mission. Listen, though Paul knew, hey, I'm decaying, I'm wasting away, I am aging. For those of you that are old and you feel like your time in the church no longer, I can't serve, let me give it to the younger people. Serve. Paul served. He knew he was aging. He was on mission. We can't be so heavily minded that we're no earthly good, that idea. That means that you and I are on mission or have a mission to accomplish that Jesus commanded for us to fulfill. Paul had just told the Corinthians that our motivation in life is that one day we will be home with Jesus. The second motivation found here. Is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. Look at verse 9 of 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, also we have our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. Paul's motivation was to please the Lord in everything. What, listen church, what would, listen friend, listen brother, listen sister, what would my life and your life and the life of the church look like if we took the words of Paul to heart? Imagine our lives 2020 be about pleasing the Lord in everything. You see, we, a lot of us got goals, right? You got, you got to run a thousand miles. Is it a thousand miles in a year? I've heard ladies talk about that. You, 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 you are uh, losing 10 pounds in six months and you saving money to go to the vacation that you always wanted. You see, we got goals. We've got the house that's coming that we need to save and we need to... We, the, you know, we've got goals. We've got the goal of, I'm going to buy my, the tractor that I was wanting to cut my grass because that darn uh, walking lot, I don't want to do that anymore and I want to get the right. We got goals. But imagine 2020 would be about, if our goal, 2020, ask yourself that question, what is my goal 2020? And it does, does it line up with God? That our goal would be pleasing the Lord in everything. The word here that Paul is referring, or, or, or the heartbeat of verse 9, means to lovingly, zealously, devotedly, ambitiously committed to pleasing the Lord. Other translations use the word labor or aim. 
Make it your labor. Aim at it. Uh, make it your, your put, put the cross here on the target and make it your aim to do everything you can in this life to please the Lord Jesus. You imagine how differently church would look like if our goal 2020 would be, I'm going to please the Lord in everything. How different our life would be if we live that way. Please Him with your time. Please Him with your finances. Please Him with your attitude. Please Him with your words. Please Him with your eyes. Please Him with your ears. Please Him with your marriage. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Sacrificially love your wife. Please, please Him with your, with, with, with your husband. Submit to Him. Submit to your husband. It's not me saying that. It's the Word of God. Please him in your friendships. Who are you spending way too much time that you shouldn't be spending with? La comadre. And sometimes I've heard some of you say, I'd rather spend time with a lot of people outside the church than the people in the church. <laughs> That's a warped view of the family of God, church. Please him with your friendships. Please him with your relationships. Please him with your relationships. What guy, what girl are you pursuing? Who are you being, who are you involved in in a relationship? Are you pleasing the Lord Jesus with that? Please him with your service. Please him with your talents, your gifts, availability, faithfulness, love, care. Please him with these things. And the list can go on and on for you. you. You you fill in the blank. How can I please the Lord 2020? Only you can answer that. Paul knew that one day life would come to the end. And that Jesus would come again. Rapture his church. But, but for the meantime, I'm going to please him. In there. Paul knew, hey, either I'm going to die or he's coming back for me. But... As I wait or I go home, I'm going to do whatever I can to please him in the little things and in the big things. Please him in the little things. Even when people ain't watching. I'm at work or you're at the mall or wherever you're at. Even in the things that you think are insignificant in your daily dealings with people in your business. In everything, the little things and the big things. What motivated Paul is that he knew that one day he would be evaluated with, by the master. It's a text that we generally don't preach on. What motivated Paul is that one day he knew he would be evaluated by his master. He wanted to please him in everything. For one day Paul wanted to hear the words of Jesus say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Listen, church, verse 10 says that, for we must all, that means you, 
That means me. That for we must all. That, that, that means all of us. <laughs> that means those that are outside the church. That means those that are in our neighborhoods. That means those that are in our town. That means those that are in our county. That means those that are in our state. One day, <laughs> we will all, it says there, appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Fact of the matter is, church, the word of God is truth. One day, we're going to stand before our creator and we're going to have to give an account of our life. Appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one of you may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether it be good or bad. Oh, Hector, I've heard those stories. That's just a... That's just a, just a little story there. You know, it's a, one of those stories that I'm not really sure is going to happen. Listen, if the Bible said it is going to happen, one day, can you say with me, one day? One day we'll be standing. I used to tell the youth butt naked. One day we will be standing before God and give an account. How do we live? How was our marriage? As a husband, how did I leave my kids? As a wife, how did I submit my husband? How was my business dealings with my, the people that I work with? How did I treat my neighbor? How, do I, how was I a part of the family of God? That we love one another the way Christ loved us? That we, that we show genuine love and care? We're going to have to give an account for that. We will all stand before God, give an account of our lives here on earth. God will take out his heavenly recorded, recording camera and give us a recap of our life here on earth, whether it be good or bad. God is loving, he's gracious, he's merciful, but he's judge. He has to be judge. That's who he is. So when we look at Paul's life, it's no wonder he had motivation and determination. What's motivating in your life? What kept, Sandy getting, what kept Sandy getting up every morning and saying, I'm in God's hands? What motivated her life? What is motivating your life? To hit a, big, a business deal at the end of the week, you feel like, man, where's that all, all that money? Paul was motivated and determined to fulfill what God had called him to do. Though he knew that salvation and his eternal destiny was obtained by faith in Christ alone. The thought of one day standing before the Savior, the thought of one day standing before the Savior, which you and I will, that will be us. Some of us sooner than later, one day we will stand before the Savior. Paul was compelled, determined, and the, motive, and the motivations of his life continue. Verse 14, for the love of God, in, in chapter 5, for the love of God compels us. It's the love of God that compelled Paul to live as he lived. Listen, the reason I'm, the reason I'm a follower of Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross. The reason I follow Jesus, but what he did on the cross. The reason I, I, I can love my wife and I can love the unlovely is because of what Jesus demonstrated on the cross. For the love of God compels me. Listen, you have an issue with a brother here? Fix it. 
The love of God compels you. You got a problem with your neighbor that doesn't want to talk to you? Fix it. The love of God compels you. It allows, listen, church, when you receive Jesus, the Spirit of God comes and dwells in your life, and you're able to do the things that you could never do, but the the Spirit of God empowers you to live differently. So the things that you think you can't do, I should not be here preaching. No. We We had a group text in our camp compelled team, and and I gave them the wrong numbers and stuff. And I said, hey, remember, I had FOM. For those of you who remember back in those days, FOM, fundamentals of math. <laughs> Verse 15, he died so that we no longer live for me, but for him who died and rose again. Listen, church, get it. He died so that Jesus died at Calvary so that I no longer live for myself, but I live for him. Every waking moment of our lives is about the risen Savior, the the living God, Jesus who loves you, died for you. It's about him, not me. It's not about my dreams. It's not about my story. It's not about my necessary legacy. It's his story and how my life points to Jesus. Verse 17, I am a new person in Christ and I've got a mission. Verse 18, the mission is to see the gospel go forth, penetrate the world in which you and I live in. I'm going to quote a different, not Piper this morning, but I'm going to quote Brian Loritz, who is a Reformed guy, Santos, just to, um, for those Reformed guys. Brian Loritz says, I like this statement, the gospel is not, the gospel is not just my personal relationship with Christ, that's an American idea. Listen to this. The gospel is not just my personal relationship with Christ. That is an American idea. Christianity cannot be reduced to just a culmination of quiet time streaks that I boast in my righteousness. Christianity is meant to be played in the amphitheater of human relationships. Man, that's good. Do I got an amen crowd today? Amen. My goodness, that's good. Verse 20 says we are ambassadors. Just like the U.S. has ambassadors around the world who bring, bring the U.S. to a foreign soil, we too bring Christ to wherever we are at. Jesus reconciled us to himself so that now we can reconcile others to him. We have that ministry. You and I have the, have the ministry to reconcile people to Jesus. We've got work to do, church. What is motivating your life? You want to be you want to have the right motivation in life? It starts with what I said in the very beginning. Give your life over to Jesus. You can you can do that today. You can do that today and say, you know, Hector, I'm not sure, man, what's gonna happen if. If I were to pass on this world, I don't know. I've tried to be a good person. I've, I've tried to go to church. I try to watch my mouth. I try to be kind. But it's not about being good. Romans tells us that there's not one good person, not even one. There's not one person that does good, not one. So it's not about good, being good. 
It's about understanding what Jesus Christ did for you, embracing his death on the cross that enabled us to live the way we live today. I'm going to make it very simple. We can get complicated about, well, should we make this prayer? And should we, should we say these words? Should, I, I often think about Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 and 20, and I'm, done, I'm going to be done right here. So the musicians need to come and play something. Emiliano, have at it. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 and 20, Peter and his brother are fishing. And that verse doesn't intrigue me just because I'm a fisherman, but it intrigues me because of what they did in response to what Jesus asked them. It says, and they, when Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men, and they immediately left their nets and followed him. The question this morning, are you ready and are you a follower of Jesus? And all you got to do is, Hey, I need, I want to follow Christ. I'm not sure if I'm a follower. I want to follow him with a, to, I, I'm convinced this morning that Jesus is, he's kind of messing with my heart and, and I don't know what that is, but I've been living for my life. I've been living for myself. I've been living for my work. I've been living for my, for my family and I've been living, and, and some of those things have the right place, but man, it's been about me. Jesus I'm, we're not saying that life is easy, but what Jesus did at Calvary gives us the motivation in our lives to, be, to live different. We can face adversity. We can face struggles. We can face challenges in our life because we've got a great model in Jesus that help us see life in a much different lens, through a much different lens. But what about you, church? Listen, church, David and I, we do funerals. And, this, and, and those funerals sometimes are some of the hardest things for us as pastors because you're there and you don't, you, want, you, you wonder from sometimes the people who passed away, they really knew Christ, if they were really followers of Jesus. Are you a follower of Jesus or are you just a, just religious? The definition of religious is man's attempt to get to God. We can't get to God on our own ideas and our own thoughts and our own you know, our own strength, our own goods, ways. Our, we get to Jesus only through, through him and him alone. He did it all. I, I, I've, just, I've just embraced his gift of eternal life. Are you sure you're a follower of Jesus? I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. I want you just to go back to the first question. Some of the first questions I said, are you ready? Are you ready? Do you know? Do you know the Lord Jesus? Do you know the Lord Jesus? If you're here this morning, you don't know the Lord Jesus, but you want to know him, I want you to stand right now. Stand. I say, I need to know the Lord Jesus. I need, I need him in my life. I need him to, I see what he did. I need Jesus. Anybody here? Anybody else? I, I, I need the Lord in my life. I don't know what's going to happen to me if I was that person buried six feet under and I have to appear before God. I'm not sure if I, if I know Jesus.
I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if I've given my life to the Lord. And it's not just about, again, some saying some, some prayer, but this is between you and God and saying, God, you're here. And I'm being honest with you, God, I'm not sure if I'm a follower and I want to get that right today. I want to get that right today. I just don't want to come and sing some songs and, and, and I leave this place without really knowing if I really belong to Jesus. Anybody else? You're publicly saying, I want to follow Christ today. For those of you that stand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want you to pray this with me. You can pray it softly or out, out loud, however you want to. This is between you and God, not between anybody else, just you and God. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you did on the cross. For I know you paid a debt that I could not pay. So today, on this Sunday morning, I give over my life to you. Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. I ask you to cleanse me and wash me from all unrighteousness. Today, I publicly declare that I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a Christian. So God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Tell him, fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can live for you the rest of my life. You guys can take a seat. Now, if you're a believer and you've known the Lord for many years, but man, it just, things are not clicking. You're struggling in your walk. You started off 2020 with a bang, but man, you, you know, you, you, your focus is all on the wrong things. Maybe it's not on Christ. It's on work and, and your hobbies and all these kinds of things. And you're saying, Hector, I want to it's not too late to start on the right track, church. And you're saying, man, I need prayer, Hector. I need prayer, Pastor Hector. I, I just want to stay on course. I want to stay on course. If you're if you're if that you today, church, and you've known, like I said, you've known Jesus, but maybe you've been sidetracked, you say, I want a fresh new start with Jesus this 2020. Would you stand with me? Would you stand? Anybody else wants to stand this morning, this morning and say, I want to start on the right track? I want to start on the right track. Anybody else? I want to start on the right track. I want to be, I want to be motivated by Jesus only. I want my motivation to come from Him and be determined be determined because of him nothing else not pastor david pastor hector not any leader i want, i want to be motivated by him would you pray with me slowly if you want to or just out loud however lord i stand before you this morning i i recognize and realize i'm in desperate need of you
Lord, I thank you for this morning that you've spoken to me. Lord, awaken in me a desire, a motivation that comes to your word, that comes from your word to live for you all the days of my life. It's not about my dreams. It's about your story. So God, from this day forward, I'm committed to you. I'm devoted to you. My aim is you. I'm going to labor for you. So God, make me the person that you so much desire to come out of me. Fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit to live that out every day of my life. Thank you, Lord, for I celebrate you and who you are. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for what you, what you did for me. And today I leave this place just knowing that I've, that I've made things right with you, God. Just knowing that, I, I, that, that God, I know you're here. You're speaking to me. You're, you're, you're ministering to my heart. You, you, are, you, you are the one that got me standing. So, God, thank you for these folks this morning, God. And, and the elders are going to be up here after the song. Some of you need to, you maybe take a seat. Some of you need to talk with somebody. Our life group, I'm going to give a quick uh, shout out to our life talks coming up here in February. You need a group of people you can, you can do life with. God didn't meant, meant our lives to be lived alone. It was meant to be lived relationally in a group setting with other people, like-minded people that love the Lord and want to grow with the Lord. You, make, you need to make life talks a part of your life every single week. You need them and they need you. Can we stand and worship this last song?